Hello, and welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast from the Lancet Haematology. It's January 2022, and I'm Emma Cookson. This month, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Frederick Chesvold from the University of Oslo, Norway, whose new research on the use of melfluffin to treat multiple myeloma is being published in our issue this month. Okay, so Frederick, thank you very much for joining me today. Firstly, the treatment landscape for multiple myeloma has evolved quickly over the past few years. Uh, can you tell us about where melphalin has fitted into this landscape and why and how the newer version melflufin was developed? Yeah, melflufin has been a part of myeloma treatment for, for decades, uh, but today the role for melflufin is a bit smaller. Today it's used uh, mainly as, as a high-dose um, treatment in, in, in first line of the younger population one or two doses. And there's also a recent uh, approval for uh, melphalan together with daratumab and uh, bortezomib and dex uh, in first line for the elderly. However, this, this treatment is inferior to, to a treatment without melphalan, which instead includes uh, uh, daratumab and revlimid and dex. Uh, and that means that except the transplant, uh, the high-dose uh, treatment, Melflan is not today a very strong part of any of the recommended treatments in, in the first, second, third, uh, fourth line of treatment in, in myeloma. And it's something you are more likely to use as, as a rescue in, in late-line therapy. Melflufen was, um, was an attempt to make a drug using the alkylator mechanism, but um, having it more targeted to the myeloma cells to get a better uh, efficacy uh, and, and a better tolerance. So we, we see this in all mechanisms that you had uh, uh, thalidomide, which was a, a good drug, and then Bevrimid was better, and then Imnovid even better. And it's uh, sort of the same with alkylators. We, we try to find a better alkylator, and that was the reason why they developed this more targeted uh, therapy uh, with the alkylator mechanism of action. Okay, that's great. Thank you. So can you go through the main findings from the trial related to the planned endpoints uh, and how do these fit into the earlier phase trials of melflufin? Yeah, so the main main uh, sort of comparison is the, uh, the Horizon trial, which is a late line phase two trial, which led to the approval in US of, of this, uh, this drug melflufin. The population in, in the Horizon trial and the Ocean trial was a bit different. Uh, actually, when it comes to, to uh, PI exposure and refractoriness and IMID exposure and refractoriness, it was quite the same. But more patients in, in, the, in the Horizon uh, trial uh, had received and were refractory to, to a monoclonal antibody like, like, like daratumab. And this was about 80-90% in the Horizon trial, while only about uh, just over 20% in the Ocean trial. And that's the probably biggest difference in the patient population. Uh, and also that there are was no limit to the number of li lines in the horizon while the ocean trial was two to four uh, lines of treatment. So you would expect better results in, in the ocean trial because of that. And what we saw was that the response rate was a little bit better, not much numerically higher, 33% uh, versus 29% in horizon. But in, in PFS, we see a larger difference uh, where we saw that um, in, in the horizon, it was 4.2 months, while in the ocean, it was 6.8. And, and also with overall survival, which was um, uh, around 11 months in, in, in horizon and, and um, around 20 months in, in um, uh, ocean. So 
So we see that uh, response rates were a little bit better, PFS uh, quite a lot better, and OS also, uh, which is related to the number of lines and, and, and probably the treatment in more patients in the RISEM trial with daratumumab in, in front of that trial. So, so I think uh, I would say that the, the data are in line with Horizon with better results because it's a less treated population. Okay, great. So just related to the overall survival results. So we see those, are, those were insignificant between the two treatment arms. And this has led to the FDA, the US FDA halting further testing of melflufin in clinical trials and the withdrawal of the drug from the US market. So can you talk a little bit about what happened uh, with the FDA decision and maybe talk a bit more about the overall survival results from the trial? Yeah, the overall survival results were not significant, as you say, but there was a numerically better overall survival with the pomalidomid dex control arm. And, and that led to FDA becoming uh, skeptical to this, uh, this regimen. But, but the data are a bit complex, and I don't think it's, it's, it, they didn't react to that uh, there was not a significant difference. It was that the pomalidomid uh, seemed to trend to a better overall survival. And that would mean that, that it looks like it's better to get pomalidomid dex uh, than melflufen dex for this population. Uh, at least um, very difficult to argue the other way around. But there, there were some things that complicates uh, this issue, and that has led to lots of discussions on this uh, drug and this uh, study results. One thing is that th there has been an issue with this accelerated approvals in in, in, in US where they maybe have used this uh, way of approving drugs a bit too eagerly in the past years, and it's led to discussion on this whole way of approving drugs. So one discussion is whether, is, is this the correct way of, uh, uh, of reversing previous um, approval? And I have to say, I, I, I don't agree with that. And I'm very eagerly awaiting what the European medical agency will say about the same thing, because they are now doing the approval analysis uh, on the horizon data, whether to approve this in late line uh, in, in Europe. And I think that what you can say that in the total population of ocean, it didn't show that it was better to give melflufen uh, than pomalidomid. It was more or less the same. But that's very different from a late line where you have patients who need every possible treatment that has uh, efficacy. And I, I think that even though, if you look at the total population, melflufen was not better, but more or less the same as pomalidomid, this doesn't take away the fact that this is a drug that works in, in late line, where, where, where patients do not have that many options. So I, I thought it was a wrong decision to remove this treatment from late-line patients, which is a different population than the ocean trial. So that's, that's one thing, that's the FDA decision on late-line. And I'm, I'm still hoping that um, European authorities will actually consider this differently, because this, this is a treatment that would benefit patients that has no other options in, in, in late-line. Uh, the other thing is the results itself, because, you know, most, most randomized trials in myeloma are add-ons to this, where you have uh, some standard of care um, uh, regimen, and then you add on something new. And, and um, it usually goes better, uh, and you usually don't get so much interesting information from the subgroups. 
But in this trial, which is a head-to-head -head trial, which is, we don't have that many head-to-head -head trials, you have two very different mechanisms of action, uh, drugs that, that, that compete. And what we see then is that uh, you have subgroups that really separate from, uh, from the rest. And the most illustrative thing in this study is that in patients who have not been transplanted, the benefit of merflufen was very large. So it means that even though we saw a PFS benefit in the total population of, of merflufen versus pomalidomid, which we didn't, and we didn't see that in overall survival, in the patients who are not transplanted, the PFS difference between merflufen and pomalidomid is much larger. So in that population, it was 9.3 versus 4.6 months, and highly significant for PFS, and also a numerically higher overall survival in the merflufen arm versus the pomalidomid arm. So that means that if this trial had only been done in patients without transplant, I'm quite sure that this would be a, would be a positive trial and which would have led to the approval of merflufen dex in this setting. So I was actually a bit surprised that this wasn't acknowledged by, by FDA. I, usually, I don't think subgroups is, are very important, but here, uh, this large subgroup was 50% of the patients. The data for that population was very clear, and there's a scientific rationale for why it is so. Even, even to the extent that you might have um, uh, anticipated this finding. So. My impression is that metflufen in a non-transplanted population is better than pomalidomid, and that it also should be an option for all patients in later lifetimes. Okay, great. So you've touched on the answer to the next question a little bit in that previous answer, but we wanted to ask how you see the future of the drug and how it could be used alongside other new treatment options for multiple myeloma, especially considering that there are so many options coming up in other trials. Yeah, I touched a bit upon it, but uh, this is uh, for now a regulatory issue. So the future of the drug will depend mainly on what the EMA says now on the horizon data. Because if the European authorities approve uh, melflufen in late line, it will be an option for patients in Europe. And, and the future will be very different from not having approved, because that means that there's no future for this drug. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see any other, any other way for a future for this drug, because if the EMA doesn't approve it, I don't think that uh, the company will develop this uh, further. Uh, but if EMA approves, it will become a European alternative and, and probably the best documented alkylator drug in, in late-time patients. And even though, as you alluded to, Many drugs are developed and coming into late-line myeloma patients. However, none of them are curative. That there are more drugs only means that uh, patients get more opportunities. It doesn't mean that they don't need the next uh, therapy. So I think, I think we are going to see higher cure rates in myeloma when these uh, very novel immunotherapies especially come to the first and maybe to the second line. But even those, even those uh, therapies don't cure patients in late line. And there will be, for the foreseeable future, 
lots of patients in late line having tried many drugs, immunotherapies can still not cure them and they will need every possible treatment that, that is efficacious as, as, as they can get. And melflufin would be an addition to that. You can read Dr. Chesvold's research online now at thelancethematology.com. Thank you to Dr. Chesvold and thank you very much for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. Remember, you can subscribe to In Conversation With The Lancet Haematology wherever you usually get your podcasts.